Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to the Ventura Center for Spiritual Living. I'm Reverend Bonnie Rose. I seem to be missing a board president. If anybody, oh, here she is. Hello. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> anyway, it's great to see you guys here today. Thank you so much for joining us. And if you're joining us online today, thank you for joining us there too. I hope you're super comfortable and, and having a nice warm beverage in your, in your pajamas, kind of like me. Okay. <laughs> All righty. So I'm going to pass it over to Lonnie. Good morning, Bonnie. Good morning, Lonnie. Oh, good. My mic works. Okay. <laughs> I was just having so much fun seeing everyone and just getting some really good hugs and um, just the love that our center has. And whether you're here in the sanctuary or you're at home all being all nice and comfy, we love you, we bless you, and we're so happy that you've joined us. Thanks, Lonnie. Are we done? Okay. <laughs> all righty. Now is usually our time for our youth message, but Bill is somewhere. I don't know where he is. He's camping. He's camping with the scouts. Okay, good to know. Okay, so we're going to do our youth blessing. So um, if you feel young at heart, or if you're a young person, just go ahead and put your hands over your heart and take this in. Oh, good, everybody's hands are over their hearts. Yay. <laughs> All righty. So please repeat after me. We love you. We bless you. We believe in you. You are the face of God. And so it is. Kim, our practitioner. Thank you. So I invite you to close your eyes and to turn within. And in this moment, the good news is, is that God is right where you are. For the breath of life is the breath of God. And in this knowing, simply allow the beauty, the power, and the presence of life energy itself to make it known to our consciousness once again and again and again. And knowing in this moment that every thought, deed, and action is blessed by insight and understanding, by wisdom, compassion, and love. And in this moment, knowing that each of us is offered to be another day to be of service, to reach out, to hold the light, to be the best version of ourselves so that we may play our part in the birthing and the unfolding of the greater yet to be. And in celebration of this knowing and in celebration of every father in this house, we simply raise our voice in unison and say, and so it is. Thank you. And let us breathe together so beautifully. 
knowing that breath is life and life is love and love is God and that we are immersed in all of it. And so we let go of the day that came before us, of the week that came before us, of any cares that we might have. We just set them aside for a moment as we relax into the sacred center, into the sacred beingness of the heart of heaven right here on earth. And we listen to the words of our sacred reading. An anonymous tribute to Father's Day. Today is for the fathers. It is for the grandfathers, uncles, brothers, and sons. For the most important man in anyone's life, the one who gave us life. Here's to you, the dads who play endless games of go fish with their kids and always let them win, and those who always played to win every time, thinking that their children would grow stronger through defeat. This is for the fathers who worked in the fields and factories, taught in the classrooms, or sat in office cubicles eight long hours a day. Here's to those who performed life-saving surgery and those who drove their truck through long days and nights. Here's to those who loved every minute of their labor and to those who only worked so their families could survive. To the sleepless dads who have waited in silent fear that their babies wouldn't make it through the night or that their teenagers would survive their first time driving alone. Those who lost children and those who found them in different ways. Here's to tears not shed and hugs not given for fear of appearing weak. Here's to dads who build with hammer and saw and those who wouldn't know how. The father who is afraid of spiders and yet can slay the great dragon of fear in his little ones. The fathers who tried and those who didn't. The fathers who gave us life and walked away and those who stayed long past their life of their marriage to give something to their children. Here's to the fathers who loved their children's mother and to those who no longer could. The fathers who hurt because their children have been kept from them and to those who are both father and mother. Stay at home dads and stay away dads, the one we wanted but never knew. The helpless hurting father and the brave strong one to all the ways of fatherhood. Here's to you today. So we breathe into the spaciousness. We breathe into that place. This day where we honor fathers. This weekend where we honor liberation, Juneteenth, freedom. We open our hearts to all that is, to all that is on this beautiful mosaic that we call existence. And we know that in this mosaic, there's only one. There's the oneness that shows up in all things, in the darkness, in the light, in the joy, in the sorrow, in all of it all of it, there is this powerful, present, large and small oneness that is both the drop in the ocean and the ocean in the drop. And how can we have words for that? How can we possibly express what that is with our thinking brains? We draw it down, the energy of it, down into our hearts and into our bodies. 
that perhaps we become so full that we need to sing about it, that we need to express the I am presence, the oneness with song. And so together in just a moment, we will sing, I am remembering who I am. And knowing that as we do so, we remember that our life is the very life of the air, the breath of the God. All of those are the same thing. And so we use our breath to create song. But a song that is sung is a prayer spoken twice because we hear it, we sing it, and actually it's three times because we feel the vibrations in our bodies, and actually it's four times because we feel the vibration in the community. So when we song, sing this song, we know the I am presence for ourselves, but we also know it for the whole world because the sound of this song, the intention of this song ripples out beyond the walls of this sacred center and blesses everyone. And so together, with all of that, in heart, mind, and being, we remember. We sing, I am remembering who I am. In the sacred stillness, we remember. We breathe into the remembrance, allowing it to fill our heart, our soul, our being, our body. And then we see it in the whole world as we breathe in deeply and then exhale, opening our eyes in love and in service to what is as it is. And so it is. Namaste.
for my next number. Uh, <laughs> All right, let's see if this little stinker's gonna work. Can I have the first slide, please? Thank you. Yay, okay. Let's have Reverend Karen Mondragon come on up here and have a seat. And let's give her some love as she comes up here. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there you are. Oh, that's a good thing, yeah. Yeah, did you learn that in ministerial school, honey? Uh, yeah. No, I learned it walking. Oh, okay, good to know. <laughs> you okay, babe? Can yeah. I help you? Yeah, it's a, kind of a tightrope here, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. My let's daughter told me once, she says, Mom, you do more, more face plants than anybody I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's give her some love because she didn't do a face plant. All right. <laughs> okay. Oh, well, Karen and I have a lot to say, so we're going to jump right in, but I'm going to start by giving just a tiny introduction about Karen. First of all, Karen is just a force of nature in her own right. She's a wonderful person. Karen has been here since I started 18 long years ago. <laughs> and she was so kind to me and so nice. And you were on the search committee, right? Mm -hmm. and part of, yeah, and part of the reason <laughs> part of the reason you hired me was because I had a dog. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So <laughs> so there's that. And you know, Karen Karen has been such an inspiration to all of us really. She um, one of the most steadfast roles that she's played in this church is that she designs the ministry of prayer. Uh, missive that goes out every week and so like if you oh I hear the Mission Impossible theme that's awesome <laughs> uh, so she designs the um, the ministry of prayer list that goes out every every single week and people who submit prayer requests get prayed prayed for by all of the practitioners and it's such a beautiful service and she does a fantastic job thank you. yeah so thank you <laughs> mm. Take it in, baby. You're going to get lots of praise today, so just got to <laughs> deal with it. Yay. Okay. So one of the things also that we love about Karen is that she, she was married to her late Fred's husband, Fred, who was such a, a, just a stalwart um, practitioner here in, in the Ventura Center for Spiritual Living. Fred was just a just a, a presence, just a, a presence. He was also, again, he was in charge of me in my audition Sunday, and he um, took such good care of me, and then for years later, he always told me, I'm gonna pray for your gumption. I'm gonna pray for your gumption, because it was really hard, and I think part of the reason I stuck was because <laughs> Fred was praying for my gumption. So, <laughs> let me see if I can make this thing work. Oh, there it is, okay. So this is a picture of Fred. I hope you can all see it. Fred is practitioner emeritus. <laughs> uh. Yeah, it's a beautiful <laughs> picture of him. If you're, if you're ever missing Fred, I don't know if he's up there today, but we have a picture of Rumi, Rumi the poet, and a lot of people <laughs> think that Rumi, our picture of Rumi looks like Fred, so just check that out. <laughs> this, is, this is Fred in his professional shot, but this is more of Fred in his, in his real personality. It's a picture of him and, what, your grandchildren? Uh -huh. Sticking out his tongue? Yeah. Yeah, all sticking out their tongues. So, and then we've got, we've got this one. Fred was a, a fixture in our Christmas Eve program. And uh, for those of you who regularly attend here, you may know that we have a live animal parade at the end of Christmas Eve, usually involving farm animals, a horse, a goat, a pig, um, a donkey, bunch of chickens and whatnot, bunnies, large bunnies. And we did have one Dalmatian that used to come, and that's Buddy, Karen and Fred's Dalmatian. Um, Buddy started out as playing the role of the cow when we used to do the nativity because <laughs> he had spots like a cow. 
But then he moved up in the world and he got to play a Dalmatian. So <laughs> the other thing is that I think he ate his udder, like his co he had an udder co on yeah. his um, costume and mm -hmm. I think he chewed it up, right? He didn't like it. He didn't like his yeah. udder. Yeah. <laughs> Who does is what I always <laughs> say. But anyway, <laughs> so uh, anyway, that's, that's Fred and Buddy playing Santa and Santa's Dalmatian. And um, another tradition about Fred, and one of the reasons that we're speaking about him today is that every Sunday Fred would come to church. Every Father's Day, Fred would come to church and tell us a Father's Day story. So I'm going to ask Karen to tell us that story in oh, honor of Fred. Good. Okay. <laughs> okay. And that's just so you know, that's a picture of Fred's father and Peggy Lee. Okay? Yes. All right. <laughs> um, Fred loved to tell the story because it's, a, it's an example of surrender big time. He, he was in Prac 2. We weren't even licensed yet, right. but and back then... And Prac 2 means they were studying to be spiritual yes. counselors. They called us PITS, Practitioners <laughs> in Training. Right. So <laughs> um, he was called on New Year's Eve by the practitioner uh, leader to and asked him if he would mind going to CMH to do a prayer with a patient there. And he was kind of nervous about it, but he said yes, he would do it. And of course, they gave him a history of this patient. This patient was a retired doctor. He was a very grumpy old guy. And he did, he did go to Religious Science Center, I believe in Thousand Oaks or Westlake or whatever, but he said he would see somebody. Mm -hmm. So Fred went, and when he went to the hospital, he walked in the room and the guy was sound asleep. Sound asleep, so Fred goes, and he, he sat there for a few minutes, probably a few seconds. <laughs> and he said, okay, I did my duty. Yeah. And so he, look. <laughs> he left. And he came home and I said, boy, that was fast. He goes, well, the guy was asleep. So I went, I tried. So I said, Fred, you really need to go back. He goes, oh, I knew you would say that. <laughs> so, so maybe an hour later, he says, okay, I'm going to go back. And so he went back, and he, he, when he came home, he told me, he said, I walked in the, in the man's room, and he was playing, I don't even know what you call them anymore, those little recorder things. Like a have. cassette player? Yeah. Okay. That <laughs> <laughs> and he, the, the man was a jazz enthusiast, and Fred's father was a very well-known um, bass player, jazz musician back in the day. And by this time, his, by this time, his father had been had passed away for a few years, but the <coughs> man had this uh, jazz song on, and Fred walked in the room, and it was a song that his father had played in, and he recognized it. And so that's all Fred said to the man was, "That that my father played bass in that song," and he goes, "Your father played bass." He goes, "Joe Mondragon." And he goes, yeah, that was my dad. And he goes, you're Joe Mondragon's new son. Oh, my God. I can. And the guy just lit up, and he was so excited. He says, i got to call my daughter. So he called his daughter. Because you wouldn't guess who's in the room with me. It's <laughs> Joe Mondragon's son in person, and he's here. And so <laughs> the guy said, oh, I'm so happy. He said, you know, you made my day. You made my night. I'm so happy. He said, you can go home now. <laughs> Fred said, okay, happy new year. <laughs> and so, I mean, when he came home, he goes, you know, I was so nervous and I was so wondering what I was going to say. And all the way, I was saying, God, if you had anything to say, say it now. 
because I don't know what to say. And, and he was kind of nervous about the guy. You know, he wasn't uh, like he wasn't an experienced practitioner yet. But it was like when you surrender, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and Body talks a lot about surrender in her class that she's doing. But when you surrender and just let go and give it over to God, it works out. And who would have known that the man would be playing yeah. his dad's yeah. music, and Fred recognized it, mm -hmm. and the and so that you know that was the prayer. So the so the moral of the moral of that story is when you don't know what to say, you say my father is Joe Mondragon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, you surrender. You surrender. And the other the other ripple I wanted to share with all of you too is that you know we've all heard Joe Mondragon because Joe Mondragon played on Peggy Lee's Fever. Remember that? You know that song. Boom, boom, boom. Never know how much you love me. Yeah. Right, that one. And he also played on this one that I know we've all heard. Ah. <laughs> Remember the bass part in Jaws? That was Joe Mondragon. Yeah, so we're all dad. connected through Fre to Fred, to, through his father, through Joe's bass. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Yep. That's a miracle. Yep. Yeah. So, so that was his story. Yeah, that was his story. And, you know, it was part of the, part of the blessings of Fred. Fred was also an artist. And uh, that's Fred offering a flower in one of his paintings as well, right? When he offered that flower, we would take, he loved cruises, so we would take these four-day cruises and go to Catalina. Yeah. And, and when he was still able to walk, we would walk to the um, casino. Yeah. Thing, and he would pick a flower. There was a little bridge thing. He would always pick a flower and hand it to me. Aww. And that's that that's one so picture. Is, he's handing me the flower. That's so sweet. Yeah. yeah. Well, that, those are some beautiful memories of Fred. But Karen, I want to talk a little bit about what, what you've been up to as well. Karen... <laughs> During, during COVID, during Fred's illness, I believe, you wrote a book, right? Yeah. You wrote a children's book. So tell us about your children's book. And it was published before he died, so oh, he got good, to see it. good, good. It's called The Happy Blanket, and I had written it for my great-granddaughter, Brielle, and if she's watching this, she'll get upset because I'm talking about her. <laughs> but <It happens. laughs> she used to have tantrums when she was, yeah, she's 10 now, and she was really little. She would have these horrible, horrible tantrums and just be out of control. Nobody knew what to do mm -hmm. to help her because mm -hmm. we felt bad for her, you know? So I wrote this book based on, for her, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to give to her. And when I gave it to her, it, was, it wasn't in a book form. It was just stapled together, and I gave her a little blanket. And so... Um, of course, she criticized it. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have dogs with that name, and we don't have a cat because my mom is allergic. But anyway, yeah. so I wrote it for her, and the message of the blanket is love. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So when you're having a tantrum, you can what? You can grab your happy blanket, and the happy blanket is a metaphor for anything. You know, it could be a hug. It could be your animal. It could be your heart. You just feeling your heart, just mm -hmm. knowing, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And that love is there no matter what. If you have a tantrum like her in the book, her grandma says to her, you know, she says, Can, uh, it doesn't matter if you're kicking or screaming or yelling or crying, you're, you're, the blanket is there for you mm -hmm. no matter what. Mm -hmm. love. So love holds us mm -hmm. and love embraces us no matter what's going on. You know, the best of times or the worst of times, it's there, mm -hmm. it's there for us. So that's, that's the metaphor of the book, is that love is always there for us. Yeah. Yeah, wonderful. Now, um, I'm wondering, what, so what, what was your, is, it, is there another intention in writing the book? I know you, you wrote it for your granddaughter, 
but was there, was well, there a, a, a broader intention as well? Part, part of my ministry is through writing. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm, I'm writing my second book right now. It's almost finished. And there's like, it's about Christmas trees. Uh -huh. And they, their purpose in life, they don't know what it is yet, but is to help a family that, mm. that adopts them, that brings them in. And each Christmas tree has their own character. And the house they go to, ha the people in that house have their own special way of doing things. And so each tree not only teaches a lesson to the family, but learns a lesson <coughs> also, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, so that's beautiful. That's what that book, and, and the whole thing is like, through my writing, I want to be able to, right now I'm aiming it at children, but it's, it's to help people know the spiritual lessons mm -hmm. of truth, mm -hmm. you know, love and forgiveness and diversity and, you know, everything like yeah, that. Yeah. So to do it for children, to start off with children in a, in a way that is easy for them to understand yeah, and relate to. Yeah. You know, one thing that I love about your, your book, the children's book, this one that you read, The Happy Blanket, that you wrote rather, and the one that you're talking about writing, is how you um, animate things that most people, most normal people, <laughs> and I don't count myself in that category, would think are inanimate, right? And don't we know that spirit animates everything? That spirit is a blessing that infuses all of, all of nature, all of creation, that we become separate from creation and all of nature through just our, our oh, through our, I guess through ignorance of, of, our unit, of our oneness with it. And, and even things like blankets, which are made out of nature, partially sometimes, and things like Christmas trees, which are definitely nature, that they all, that everything has something to offer us. Everything has something to teach us. So I loved, I loved the animation of what, what, you, what you share to choose, how it, how it brings greater depth to all of the things around us that we might be taking for granted. Oh, I'm gonna say it again. Every time I interview somebody, I say, the kingdom of heaven is spread upon the earth, but we, don't, we do not see it, right? The kingdom of heaven, meaning the, the oneness consciousness with God, the unis, unitive consciousness with everything, is spread upon the earth, but we don't see it. And Karen, through her message, changes that verse from the Gospel of Thomas just a little bit by saying, hey, the kingdom of heaven is spread upon the earth, and you get to see it here in this happy blanket, or you get to see it here in this Christmas tree. Aren't you cool? Aren't you just yeah, the coolest? Yeah, I guess I yeah, am. <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> You're getting lots of applause, girl. Okay, let's give her some more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this kind of reminds me of the Jerry Springer show, don't they? <laughs> well, I was going to wonder, is Jimmy Kimmel coming out soon? Uh, yes. Yeah, really yeah, but if it's, if it's Jerry Springer, you, you better get ready to throw oh, something, because they, yeah, do, they no. do a lot of that on Jerry. No. Yeah. So, uh, so Karen animates everything through her writing, as, as we can do through our consciousness, through our perception. But how is that possible during really hard times? Like, Karen, I know that the last couple of years have been a struggle for you. Mm. I'm going to switch again to a picture of beloved Fred and beloved Karen. They had a real love story. They really loved each other. And they did all kinds of things together. They were practitioners together. Fred brought Karen to this church. <laughs> yes. You might want to tell that story. I don't know if it's mine to tell. But, <laughs> but Fred brought Karen to this church. And, and they also had many dogs together. We saw a picture of Buddy, and we saw a picture of Sophie. So yeah. tell us how you came to the church, and then tell us about your love story and, and what the last couple of years have been like. Well, I came to this church because Fred was a follower of Dr. Tom Costa, okay. who was a minister down in mm -hmm. uh, the Palm Springs area, and mm -hmm. he would play these tapes for me, and I was a Pentecostal. I was 
steeped in the Pentecostal um, philosophy. Quick question. Did you speak in tongues? I did at one service, yes. Could you do it now? No, I'm kidding. No. <laughs> you don't have to. Okay. <laughs> All right, sorry. <laughs> okay. So I was trying to change him, and he was trying to change me. Oh, that works really well in marriage, doesn't uh, yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not at all. Yeah. <laughs> so my son was going to get married, and he, uh, he also went to the same church I did, and the minister wouldn't marry him because his wife wouldn't accept Jesus as her savior. So they went through the phone book and called different churches. They called this one, mm -hmm. and the minister answered the phone and um, said, she would marry them. So um, that's how my, hu my husband got me here because he says, we have to go see, he's always wanted to come in here because of the architecture. Mm -hmm. He says, we have to go in there to, we have to hear a service because the minister's marrying our son, so don't, aren't you interested? I said, the devil's in there, I'm not going in. <laughs> so I was, I was so torn. He did, he did talk me into coming one Sunday, and I prayed all night. I armored myself because I knew it was a trick. <laughs> the devil was standing right behind the doors, and as soon as I walked in, he would grab me and uh -huh. have me. So okay. that, was, that was it. And um, so I walked in all scared and shaking, <laughs> and I listened to the service, and it was... I'd never heard a service like that. I wasn't going to burn in hell, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so we came back every single Sunday after that one day, and I didn't leave the devil out of my life immediately, mm -hmm. but we started taking classes, and through a progression of going to classes, coming to church, I... I realized that God was more powerful than any devil. Mm. If there was one, God was more powerful than it. Yeah. And so that's how I started thinking about God and, and leaving the devil yes. get behind me, yes. devil. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so we took, and then I became a practitioner, and now I'm a minister, and yeah. And you're writing books, and I'm yeah, it's <laughs> awesome. It's just awesome. Tell us a little bit about the, the challenges of the last year. Oh, gosh. My husband was a firefighter for 30 years, and um, he was very active. He was a training officer as in, a, in his role as a captain, and he was very proud of that. It was something he treasured and was very, very proud of. So he, he was also in high school a record breaker for sprinting. Mm. He was a runner, and he broke records at Van Nuys High School, set records that have never been broken because they, they separated the high schools. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. his records will stand forever. <laughs> but um, through the years, he started, his legs started to hurt, and he started to go downhill um, physically, had a heart attack and, and all kinds of things like that. So the past couple of years, it got worse and worse and worse, and he... he got to the point where he could hardly walk at all. It hurt him so badly. And so there were, you know, trips to, to um, USC down in, in L.A., taking him to specialists, doing all kinds of things. And then um, he was, he was um, in ICU, and they sent him to a rehab center to try and get him, and they couldn't do anything. So 
the doctor called me and said, we have to think about hospice. Mm -hmm. So they released him, and he didn't want to be there at all. He, he called me up, and he'd say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call an Uber if you don't get me out of here. <laughs> I'd say, Fred, Uber's not going to come take you out of, the, out of there. Yes, they are. So anyway, he, he came home, and we set up his hospice bed in the living room, and uh, the, the TV, my son mounted it up on the wall so he could see it better. And uh, it was rough because... This man that was so strong in my life, you know, mm -hmm. was fading away. But every single day, from before we were married, every single day, he asked me if I would marry him. Mm. He'd say, will you marry me? And I'd say, yes. And then he'd say, right now, today? And I'd say, <laughs> yeah. And sometimes he'd ask me when I was really aggravated with him, and I'd say, you're asking me that now? <laughs> he says, well, you have to be honest. So I, <laughs> I always said yes, because I'd say, would, no matter how angry I am at him, would I want my life without him? Mm -hmm. No, I wouldn't. So then he'd say, he had this whole little ritual, and then he'd say, do you love me? And I'd say, yes. Well, why do you love me? And, he, and then if I tried to get out of that with like one, one sentence, he'd say, I don't want to hear more. <laughs> Tell more. So... <laughs> But even on his, uh, on his hospice bed, I always sat in this one chair on the side, and he, he would look over and he'd say, will you marry me? And this one day, I, I wasn't sitting there. His daughter sat there, and he'd look, he said, will you marry me to his daughter? And then he looked, he goes, oh, wrong one. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> it was like. <laughs> Good for him. <laughs> but one, this, this right here, I have to tell you that going through our practitioner core in this center is so strong and so beautiful and so connected that when Fred was in, in, you know, in, the, in the process of dying, they, got, they made this practitioner bouquet and they delivered it to the house and I set it on the credenza across from his, his hospital bed so he could see it. And um, it's all these are pictures of our practitioners and they cut out little pictures of themselves and put them on these flowers. And then they wrote these things. And I'll put this in the, in the social hall later if you guys want to look at it. But it made mm -hmm. him so happy. He just loved it. And sometimes he'd say, bring me my bouquet so I can look at it. And he'd look at everybody. And every single person on here is special. Every single person on here was so special not in both our lives. Do you think that was a, <clears throat> excuse me, do you think that was a happy blanket for Fred? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I'll bet. I'll bet. Yes. And we have our Circle of Blessings team to thank for that, our beautiful Christine oh. Both, and I know other, um, other volunteers served with her to, to make that happen. So and the Circle of so Blessings, beautiful. you know, they would bring food, and yeah. they, they, you know, it was during COVID, so people couldn't really come in the house, yeah. but yeah. it was so special to see. Yeah. how caring people were. And I have to say, you know, people would bring meals and they would bring desserts and <sighs> this very beautiful, bubbly little doll of a practitioner, Jana. Um, her, her donation was wine. <laughs> and I was, somebody came to the door and they one of my practitioner friends who was there said, you have to sign for this. And I said, sign for what? So I went out and it was the, the liquor store guy. <laughs> <laughs> and he had like 
I don't know, two, three, four bottles of wine. They were delicious wines, by yeah. the way. And cheese. And I went, oh my gosh. And it was from her, the beautiful little Jana. Yeah. I said, just, you know, she, she does it. <laughs> Everything was delicious. And that wine, just, I laughed so hard. I was like, oh my gosh, she knows what I need right now. <laughs> you needed holy communion, right? Yeah. Holy, holy communion. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. so Karen, I don't, I don't know whether this is too much for you, and I, I didn't ask you about this before we spoke, but we're, we're good friends, right? Mm -hmm. um, would you mind telling that story about the last breath? Are you able to do that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, the day, the few days before he died, actually, that week, for a few months before he was in his hospice bed, he was painting angels. Mm. He couldn't stop painting angels. Mm -hmm. And I'd say, Fred, you're painting all these angels. Because he always painted flowers, but he was painting. He says, I can't stop. I keep seeing them, and I have to paint them. I don't know what it is. And so he has all these beautiful angels that he painted. And when he was on his deathbed there, I had them hanging up around him. And one of the angels he had painted was uh, in the sky, and she was releasing a dove. Mm. And the dove was flying out of her hands like that. And um, so uh, that day, the day that he died, he died that early morning of the next day, but he, he couldn't breathe. And breath was very important to him because he, you know, as a firefighter, he, he came down with this lung thing where he couldn't breathe very well because he was a firefighter in the 60s, and they didn't have all the stuff that they have now to mm -hmm, protect sure. them. And um, his breathing was very labored, and it, it was so painful to, to hear and to watch him lying there trying to get his breath. And even with the oxygen, he couldn't. And it was gurgly, and it was, it was terrible. And um, he died like at one, almost 1.30 in the morning. So right before he died, like maybe the last five minutes or less. He went from <laughs> trying to get his breath to absolute peaceful breath, mm -hmm. just flowing in his, in his body and out of his body, no struggle, nothing. It was, it was so peaceful and he looked peaceful. Mm -hmm. and, and, the, and he just left. And left, yeah. Yeah, but before he died, I could feel the angels. The whole house was filled with angels. Yeah, yeah. You know, and the reason I the reason I um, brought that up is because for, for some of us that are taking this class together, there's been such a striking image where this particular author of the book we're reading talks about how the breath is God, the breath is God, our breath is God. It is closer than we know. God is closer than we know, and we're oh, every inhalation and exhalation is God. And not only is it is it in infusing our body, it's it's shared with everybody. We're all sharing the breath, and it's also shared with all of the planets, all of the atmosphere around the planets, and it and it ripples on the ocean. It's all God. And I was thinking when Karen told that story about Fred's passing, is that yes, we are one with God in our breath, and then as our last breath leaves, we actually become the breath. We become the energy and the air that circulates through everything. We resume our, our rightful place, not that this is our wrongful place, but we resume our true place in the universal experience of being the breath that infuses and informs and uplifts everything. And so I see that for Fred right now. I see that that's his truth. 
and that he is here among us. I have a feeling Fred is right here today. Have you Remember when we went to get his ashes, we thought Fred was pick, playing a joke on us, right? <laughs> we got lost. We got lost. I called Annette, and I'm like, we, we can't find Fred's ashes. And she's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, we couldn't, we couldn't find the place where they were. And, and Karen and I both were saying, that's Fred. And both of our phones died, so we couldn't, like, click Google and find it. We're just driving aimlessly around, like, has anybody seen Fred's ashes? You know? That was Fred. That was Fred totally making it I'm sure it jump. was, yes. I'm sure it yeah. was. And I've heard from different people, friends of ours, that said, you know, your husband came to me. Yeah. And I don't even think it was a dream, but he came to me and he said this or he did that or I saw him here or there. And that's just like him, too. Yes. You know? Yeah. And he was, uh, the last couple of days, he was in such gratitude. He told people, thank you for everything. If you, if you tucked his blanket, thank you, thank you. And he was just... Like gratitude, he had to be in gratitude. And one time he said to me, thank you, but something about his bed. And I said, oh, I didn't do that. You're do he said, I told you thank you. I mm. said, you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> That's nice. You know what that reminds me of, too, is like, why wait until your deathbed to be thankful for everything? You know, as, as many of you know, the, the play Our Town is one of my favorites, and it's, it's, always, it's always going in my head. And at the end, where this character comes back from life, she goes, oh, it goes so fast. Does anybody ever realize life while they know it? Does anybody know how beautiful this is while they live it? And the stage manager, who is God, says, well, maybe the saints and the poets, but not everybody know. So this is a calling for all of us to recognize how beautiful life is while we live it. And to help us do that, I'm going to ask Karen, we're almost done, but name your three top happy blankets, your three top metaphorical happy blankets. My memories of my husband. Okay. Prayer. Prayer. My family. Your family. This, th my, my biological family, my children, my grandchildren, my great, they, they are all so wonderful and, and have been such a help to me. And my church family, I can't say enough about the practitioners, the congregants, the minister, everybody, mm -hmm. everybody here has been just so wonderful and, and so helpful to me. I don't know how I could have gotten through it without all of you. Thank you. And um, the other church, um, my mentor, minister, Reverend Rosedale, her center in Charlotte, uh, North Carolina, those people have helped me. I Connection. Mm -hmm. My prayer partner, Ardelia, who we've been prayer partners for seven years, and we laugh so much and talk about unicorns and magic carpets, and <laughs> just my husband would be in the other room. He'd say, oh, you're talking to Ardelia, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he said, you're like teenagers, you do. Yeah. But everybody, yes. everybody, I mean, I, the, the human connection, and I think through the pandemic, you know, missing... There's something about humans that we, we have to touch each other. Mm -hmm. We have mm -hmm. to hug. We have to hold hands. It's, it's like in our DNA. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. it's, it, it, it just is. Yeah. And it's yeah. a beautiful thing. It's a healing thing. And it's something to cherish and treasure and, and, and hang on to. Mm. And my writing and the people I've met through my writing, my editor, and my all kinds of people in my life that have come into my life that I never ever thought would mm -hmm. have been there for me. Isn't life amazing? 
It even, is. even with all of its joys and sorrows, life is amazing. Oh, yeah. And you're such an example of that. And, and I'm so happy that we're part of your happy blanket team because oh, we you love are. you so much. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say one more thing because one of the things that we, that we teach here is that, is that positive actions ripple. And so um, Karen and Fred are both like walking positive actions. And this book that Karen wrote is a positive action. And so one of the things that we're doing is that Karen, um, Karen read the book to our youth, to our youth program. She read it out loud, and they were all excited. One of them was, what was he saying? Something like, you wrote a book? How yeah. did you write a book? You know, <laughs> so we see a future author there, perhaps. But she read it to, the, to our youth program, and then they're going to make their own happy blankets, but they're also going to make um, a happy quilt that they're going to donate to Step Up Ventura, which is an organization that helps children that are impacted by homelessness. They're going to donate it to, to Step Up Ventura for one of their fundraisers. And yeah. who knows who, where that blanket will go or who it will soothe, but that's the way God works. We put our goodness out into the world. We put our kindness out into the world. We put our happy blankets out into the world, whether it's prayer or community or love or writing somebody a letter or even something, even a real life blanket. We put it out into the world. We never know where it's going to go. But with the intention of spreading goodness, it always spreads goodness. And so with that, I would love us to give Karen a huge round of applause and say thank you so much for Aww. sharing today. Thank you. You're the best. Thank you. <laughs> You're absolutely the best. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So wonderful. Yeah, I have to go down. Yes, there you go.